I'm going to say another quick prayer as we step into uh, the word. Uh, Lord, you've given us your word. You've given us hope. You've given us the gospel. And I pray that you would open up your word to us and challenge us uh, what it means to truly follow you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So the part of Katie McCain, who was going to be our reader, today is being played by me. So I am going to read our passage this morning. So if you have your worship guide, or if you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 17 through 22. Matthew chapter 4, verses 17 through 22. And if you do have your Bibles with you, um, in a moment you're going to be able to kind of maybe scan and look at um, the precursor to this passage, and then maybe look at what's happening after the passage as well. So this is Matthew chapter 4, verses 17 through 22. It says, From that time Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and they followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Um, we just ended a series. Where's my clicker? To the right? No, it's not. It's probably under my stuff. We just entered a series that we call um, Gospel 101. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Okay. So when I give you the, the click, nod... Sam is our official clicker today. Go ahead and, okay, there's that one. And um, go ahead and click it one more time. All right. So we have been in um, this Gospel, G-O-S-P-E-L, 101 series. And it was good. It was grand. It was glorious. Um, last week, we saw four people baptized. And it was the best service I've been in in, what, a decade. It was just so much fun just seeing what Jesus has done and how he's made the gospel clear to people and just watching them be baptized out front was amazing. Okay, all of that's great. So we understand the gospel. I think that because of the way that the series was broken down with each one of those letters, I actually think that people can articulate it maybe better now than they could before. And I think that that's a good thing uh, for us. But on the heels of Gospel 101, we're stepping into a series that we call Come Follow Me, okay? Because the gospel and fellowship come together. We can see in the Great Commission when the Lord tells us to go make disciples and he says, and teach them to obey everything that I've taught you. You know, all of my teachings, I'll be with you. All powers have been given to me, okay? Go baptize, uh, have people follow me and have them to obey everything that I'm teaching. So there's this fellowship that is a part of the gospel, and we need to understand that. So today we're going to look at four truths. Okay, click. This is great. This is a book I'm recommending. 
So this is a book called Follow Me uh, by David Platt. I have one here if you want to look at it at some point in time after the service. Um, last um, sermon series, we looked at What is the Gospel um, by Gilbert, and a lot of you guys ordered that and read it and found that to be fruitful. This is a really good book that will complement this series that we will be going through. So if you haven't read it, I encourage you to read it. Or if you have read it, like me, it's good to go back through it again as we understand um, what exactly is uh, gospel fellowship. Click. This is great. Okay. Disciple. What is a disciple? We're a church of disciples making disciples. We need to understand what a disciple is. So we can see here, a disciple is someone who follows Jesus and his teachings. You'll get a lot of more complicated and, and sometimes necess with necessary wording to try to explain what discipleship is, and there's nothing wrong with that. But if you break it down to its most basic meaning, a disciple is someone who follows Jesus, believing the gospel and following Jesus, and obeys his commands. Okay, And if that's true, you just keep it going. So someone who's a disciple maker, someone who is already following Jesus and obeying his teachings, but they're sharing the gospel with others to help them to become Jesus followers as well. Jesus fellowship, discipleship, same coin, right? Just maybe different words. One side says discipleship, you flip the coin over and it says Jesus fellowship. So if you're discipling someone, that doesn't have anything to do with coffee necessarily. But that's what we think in our minds. Discipling is having coffee with people and then talking and asking them how their hearts are. That's a part of it sometimes. But at the end of the day, discipling other individuals is walking with others to encourage them to daily follow Jesus and to obey his teachings. So you, do you see that? Okay, so it's, it's important that we understand this because we can't say that we believe the gospel unless we also are willing to follow Jesus. And we can't say that we're following Jesus as a disciple unless we're actually obeying his teachings. So this today is going to be an introduction. It's going to be a little bit shorter, maybe, as far as content, because we want to let you know where we're going and then some of these concepts that will be presented today, we are going to jump into um, at a deeper level as we move forward. So if you go back and look at this passage, if you have the Word of God open, you can see in the previous chapter, um, going back to chapter 3, you can see John the Baptist comes on the scene. Okay, And John the Baptist is saying, repent. You, know, you need to repent. And then here comes Jesus. John the Baptist backs away and says, I've prepared the way, but this is the one. This is the Messiah. This is the, the Christ. And he points people to Christ. So then Christ comes, and Christ is baptized. Okay? And then afterward, Jesus goes off for 40 days and for 40 nights, and he's tempted in the wilderness. We see this, this, tip, this time of temptation, this fasting that's taking place. And then once Jesus returns, that leads us to where we are right now. And at that point, Jesus begins to declare, repent. So his, his ministry begins to unfold after he was baptized, after John the Baptist is, is somewhat removed from the limelight, after this time of, of testing, and then Jesus says, okay, now I'm ready. And at the age of 30, Jesus begins to preach repentance for the kingdom of God is at hand. And if you were to fast forward beyond that, then you could see um, he begins to call his disciples. 
And then he begins to, the next, the next chapter says that his fame spread. In uh, chapter 4, verse 24, he's doing all kinds of miracles. And um, he's healing people. And he, he's just, he's getting out there in front of people so that people are drawn to him. And his fame begins to spread. And then he shares the Sermon on the Mount, which is his greatest um, message, I think, chapters uh, 5 through 7 of Matthew. So this is the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry, and the first thing that he does is call people to repentance. So, click. If you go back and look at the passage again, let's walk through it again. From that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent. Key word. He's calling us to repentance. He says, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So walking by the Sea of Galilee, there's two brothers, Simon, Andrew, um, they're casting nets into the sea. They were fishermen. So they're fishermen, and he's using common language to them. He says, come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Okay? Another key word. Immediately, they left. Immediately, they left their nets. They followed him. Two more brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and then John, his brother, in the boat. And this time, they're with their father, and they're mending their nets. And he looks at them, and he says, come follow me. Okay? And immediately... They walked away from their boat and from their father, and they followed him. Okay, so truth number one, repentance is a prerequisite to being a Jesus follower. Prerequisite has to come before we can actually follow Jesus. Repentance. So my family could share lots of stories about how awful that I am with directions. And it took me years to get to the point where I was willing to own up to my struggle in this area. Um, I'm actually pretty good at getting to your home, but I can't get out of your home and back to my home. I don't know why there's, a, there's something that's there, there's a block in my mind. And the number of times that I've gotten lost trying to get back to where I came from is probably 100. I'm telling you, there's a real issue here. There's a struggle. Okay, so, but I'm a man. And by golly, I'm going to find my way. And the number of times that we've gone somewhere and we're, you know, we're on vacation or we're going to someone's house or what have you, and then I come out, I come to the stop sign, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure we go left. And I go left, and I get on this highway, and Cammie's like, I think you're going the wrong way. And I'm like, no, 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 I'll figure it out, I'll figure it out. I think this will end, and then we'll be able to get back where we need to go. You know how we do. We just start talking, and we're convincing ourselves with our false confidence that we know what we're doing. Okay? The conclusion to the matter, over and over and over, is I have to admit I was wrong. And that's hard, right? I have to admit, oh, I actually made a mistake. I thought I could get us back home, but the truth of the matter is I cannot. That's a very humbling thing, and I do not like to ask for directions. And when Cammie is saying, just go into the gas station and ask someone, everything within me says, no, I will not succumb to that. But at the end of the day, sometimes you have to do so. Okay? So repentance, when you think about what repentance is, Sam, are you clicking? Okay, repentance, it's a change, 
changing of one's mind, to have a change of heart that will lead you to change your way. So do you see that? It's changing, but it begins with you changing your mind. So um, the, the answer is repentance. So let me give you some examples. No, it's my life. Or I can do this by myself. Or I'm not that bad of a person. Or there are all kinds of religions and they're all basically the same. Or Jesus was just a good teacher, but he's not necessarily the only way for salvation. And we could give example after example after example of these. Okay, For us to truly be able to embrace and understand the gospel, the only answer to those scenarios is repentance. It begins with changing our mind. I was wrong. I can't save myself. He isn't just a good teacher. There aren't different ways to go to heaven. I can't do enough good works to be acceptable to him. Repentance says none of those are true. I was wrong. I thought I could find my way without going to the gas station attendant. I was wrong. I thought I could find my way into good standing with God or I could get my way into heaven or whatever else. And I was wrong. It begins when we change our mind and we recognize, oh, my thinking was off. You change your thinking. But then once you change your thinking, you have to change your direction or you're not truly repenting. Does that make sense? So there's a difference between repentance and being caught, for example. So if you get caught, you've, you've done something and a kid gets caught um, stealing a cookie out of the cookie jar or you know, whatever, disobeying their parent, it's one thing to be like, ah, oh, you caught me. Okay, and to feel bad because you've gotten caught, because this means no more cookies for the next 323 days, or this means that I can't go to this party, or this means I'm going to be grounded, or whatever. We've all had situations as parents um, with kids where there's this, there's this sorrow that's there, but it's not sorrow because my heart was turned toward doing this bad thing, but it was because I got caught. Okay, as a full, uh, former school administrator, I saw that a lot. You know, children would get caught and then they would feel bad, okay? So as parents and also as husbands and wives, understand that the thing that we're going for is not necessarily the deed or the misdeed or the thing that they did that was wrong, but why? You know, this, this being mean to your sister, you know, or to your brother or disobeying me, what was happening in your heart that led you to make that decision. That's the bigger issue. Yeah, you're in trouble, and yes, you're going to be grounded, or yes, we're going to take this away. Whatever. That's not my issue as a parent, or as a husband, or as a wife. My bigger issue is, why? What's happening in your heart that would have you behave this way? And Scripture puts it this way. In 2 Corinthians 7.10, it says that there's a godly sorrow that brings repentance. Psalm 51 would say it this way, um, that the broken and the contrite, the Lord will never turn away. He will never despise. When there's a brokenness, when there's a humility, and we say, I was going in this direction because I was trying to satisfy this need in my heart, 
or because there was a jealousy that was here, and I thought, if I could just knock her down a couple of notches, it'll make me look higher. That thing there is what I repent of. And that's why I have to go to my sister, or I have to go to my mom, I have to go to my brother, and say, I am sorry. When that kind of a true humility and brokenness comes, and it's not just tell your sister that you're sorry right now. I'm sorry. Now can I have a cookie? Right? That's not repentance. It's a godly sorrow that brings repentance that leads to salvation. That's what we're looking for with our children. That's what we're looking for with our spouses. That's what we're looking for even with our employees. Okay? Understand that the Lord's looking at the same thing from us. I just sinned against you, Lord, and I am so bad. Just like Adam and Eve, when they sinned, we do the same thing and we run and we hide from the Lord. And he comes whispering, looking for us and saying, where are you, Jerry? And I am in hiding because I know I have been caught. The Lord cares less about the fact that we sinned and we were caught. He cares more about what was it that you were trying to satisfy in your heart by turning to this thing, and how can I remind you of the goodness of the gospel and this deficiency in your heart I'm able to satisfy. The Lord is looking for a brokenness, a contrition, and a true repentance to take place. That's where true fellowship can take place. Truth number two. As we follow... And this one is um, for um, my friend Frankie. Um, as we follow, he enables us to do kingdom work. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that enables us to do the work of the kingdom. Jesus says, if you follow me, I will make you fishers of men. It's a small thing. It's two words, but they're really important. I will make you fishers of one. He is the one that does the work. He teaches us and he trains us. He allows us to fall on our faces so that he can pick us up and show us the right way. And then he remember, he says, it's better that I go away because if I go away, I'll come back to you. And he gives us the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's only in the power of the Holy Spirit that we have the ability to do anything good for his kingdom, which is at hand. Anything if you don't believe me, go look at John 15. Abide in me and I in you. And if you do so, you'll be able to produce much fruit. But he says, apart from me, anybody want to finish this one? You can do nothing. How humbling is that? But I'm a man, right? Or I'm educated or I'm, I'm an American. Surely the goodness. No, nothing for the kingdom's sake, if we're going to do anything for the kingdom's sake, it's going to be because on a daily basis we're repenting and on a daily basis we're reminding ourselves that the only hope that we have is God within us giving us strength, giving us courage, uh, driving out the fear as we talked about earlier with the coronavirus and reminding us that he has this and he is the one that will enable us to do the good work. Uh, we looked at this passage last week. I am crucified with Christ, Galatians 2.20 says, I no longer live, but it's Jesus Christ who now lives within me. And we've also looked at this one, Philippians 1.6, he began a good work and he'll carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He started to work in you, you will fail, you will fall, you will sin, and he's looking for true repentance on a daily basis to take place. And a moment-by-moment -moment basis, humility and contrition, and then for you to get up, and he'll help you up out of the dust. And then he says, okay, now come on, just follow me. 
fellowship, discipleship. You don't have to have it together. I don't expect those that were baptized last week to suddenly never struggle with sin or temptation again. In fact, I, ex I, ex I expect just the opposite. The enemy, remember what I said last week, the enemy is going to say, you still have the choke collar on. Do these things that you used to do. And Jesus says, it's not true. And I know you just did. And I know you feel bad over it. Okay, confess your sin. I am faithful and, to, and just to forgive you every single time. But now, come follow me. And I'll show you how you can be truly, truly free. In the book of Matthew, um, he uses the term kingdom of heaven 32 times. So there's something about the kingdom of heaven that we see in Matthew that's important to us. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The time uh, for the kingdom to be built and developed is at hand. The incarnate Christ has come. He's given himself, okay? He's, he's died. Um, the gospel's real. And then he ascends into heaven and he comes back through the power of the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of heaven, my point is, is still at hand. The work of God in developing his kingdom is still at hand. And, and, and there's a great passage that tells us that we are his ambassadors as though now he's making his appeal through us. And my point to you and to me is the only way that we can be his ambassadors is if we're relying upon him and the power of the Holy Spirit because apart from him, we can do nothing. But if we follow him, if we're really Colossians 4.2, steadfast in prayer and paying attention, he will make us fishers of men. We just have to follow. We have to yield. We have to abide. And we have to believe. Truth number three. Following Jesus will always come at a cost. Always come at a cost. We see in this passage that we read earlier that they immediately left something or someone to follow him. We'll flesh this out more in the weeks to come, and this is a tough one. It was kind of like when we talked about eternal life, remember about three weeks ago, and um, that, that ended up being a tough sermon because there's some, there's some negative sides of that that are just hard to present. In the same way, there's some parts of following Jesus. I just wish that they weren't there, and I wish that they weren't hard, but they really are. Let me read Matthew uh, chapter 7 to you, which is a part of the Sermon on the Mount. It says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. So there's this, there's this broad, wide road, and the people that go that way, they find it, and it says that it's an easier road. He says, For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few it's narrow and it's hard um, it's beautiful it's glorious because it's eternal but that doesn't uh, make it um, any uh, easier I'm sorry at this moment I just lost it because my wife just walked right toward the camera and then she realized that she was walking to the bathroom and looking at the camera and I have no idea where I am now. So let me go back to my, let me go back to my notes. Um, okay, so some of us, like with me, I remember when I came to faith in Christ, I remember losing some friends. And I love these guys. 
But I found myself, when I was around them, I found my heart was turned to do things I shouldn't be doing. And the temptation was real. And at some point in time, I had to choose. I had to repent. I had to change my mind, which meant that I had to change my direction. So for some of us, it's as simple as that. Doggone it. I really love hanging out with those guys, but that's probably not good for my Christian walk, so you end up losing your friends. Uh, sometimes it's a little bit more, more complicated um, than that. So let's, let's go on to truth number four, because we can delve into it then. Truth number four, following Jesus will always require faith. Immediately they left, in the first passage, and with the first two brothers, and then the next two brothers, again, immediately they left, but then some people, when they come to faith in Christ, will ask questions like this, but I could lose my job. And Jesus says, just follow me. My parents may disown me. Follow me. My husband will not understand. And he says every single time, follow me. This book that I'm recommending that you guys read, there's a story, and I won't read the whole story, but literally on pages one through three, he gives an example um, of what we're talking about here, but at a much higher level, uh, much like um, Evan was, was sharing with us earlier. Okay? Um, so Ian is part of a people who pride themselves on being 100% Muslim. To belong to Ian's tribe is to be Muslim. And it goes on to explain what that means. Now imagine having a conversation with Ian about Jesus. You start by telling her how God loves her so much that he sent his only son to die on the cross. But actually we wouldn't start there, would we? We would start with G. He's perfect and he's holy and he's righteous. And then we would talk about the obstacle of sin and the fact that Jesus gave his life for them. Okay, But as you speak, you can sense her heart softening toward what you are saying. At the same time, though, you can feel that her spirit is trembling as she contemplates what would it cost for her to follow Jesus. With fear in her eyes, she asks, how do I become a Christian? And you explain um, to her that she has to be willing to follow Jesus. But your second option is to tell Ian. Um, or the first option is a simple prayer. The second option is tell her the truth, but it requires fellowship. That if she believes in the gospel, you're really laying down your life. You're saying, I will follow you no matter what. But literally, for her to be a Jesus fellowship, she is dying to her life. She's dying to her family. She's dying to her friends. She could even be dying to her future and even dying, period. We understand that. So when we hear Jesus fellowship in America, we think one thing. You know, we think, okay, we have to make this adjustment. I may have to get a different job. I may have to change my friends. There are other people in the location that Evan spoke of that if they say, I am going to be a Jesus follower, they could lose their lives. Um, we, we see that. According to scripture and tradition, these four fishermen that we read about earlier, they paid a steep price. Uh, Peter was crucified upside down. Andrew was crucified in Greece, James was beheaded, and John was exiled. Yet they believed that it was worth the, um, the, the price because fellowship is eternal. And it is the answer for the dilemma of death and of sin. We have to understand that there's more to fellowship than sometimes what we think that there is. But Fellowship will always require that we turn from something or give something up. And at some point in time, 
it will always require a step of faith. The righteous will live by faith. A couple of other things I want you to notice in the passage. I spoke of one of them earlier. Jesus spoke their language. He's looking at fishermen and he says, I will make you fishers of men. So when we're thinking about um, Colossians 4.2 and remaining steadfast in prayer and watchful in it, and we're connecting to people, it's important that we use common language that they can understand and that we do not use religious jargon that goes over their head. That's such a simple thing, but talk to people where they're at, okay? Another takeaway, in both instances, they followed immediately. And this is for us, so for analytical me, you know, when I hear that, sometimes I can overthink things, but if you know you've heard from the Lord, you know that you've read his word and you've gone and sought counsel and you've gone to the Lord in prayer and you're making this, this decision, what do I do? And when you know that you know that you know what the answer is, follow. Immediately, just follow. Because the more you prolong making that choice, the more the enemy will trip you up. I've been through that over the past year trying to figure or two years trying to figure out why is the Lord calling me away from a job that I've been at for 23 years that I could retire in why would he do that that makes no sense and I halfway followed him for about a year until he finally was able to show me that my halfway following him was 100% disobedience and I had to step out in faith and it didn't make sense so when you hear and you know, just be willing to follow immediately. And then when he says, follow me, the takeaway, uh, another takeaway for us is this. And this sounds like a simple thing, but follow him. Scripture says that we are to fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We do not fix our eyes upon Jerry or upon Sam, God forbid. Both of us, not just Sam, God forbid. <laughs> Jerry and Sam, God forbid, sounded really bad. So erase that in your minds. Jerry and Sam, God forbid. Um, and we also don't become... Um, <laughs> that was a pretty good one. He's back there laughing. Um, we also don't become followers of celebrity pastors. You know, just you know, fill in the blank. And we see a lot of that today. It's almost like in Scripture, you know, one says, oh, I follow Paul, and I follow Apollos. You know, I follow Cephas. You know, um, and you see the, the struggle that they even had. And we do the same thing. Oh, yeah, I follow Chandler. You know, whatever he, what he says, it's good to go for me. Man, um, yeah, not so much me. I'm a David Platt guy. Um, well, yeah, Platt's good, but have you listened to Tim Keller? Oh, man, he's amazing. Those guys are brilliant. Don't get me wrong. Go to them, get wisdom from them, listen to them, listen to their podcast. You will be a stronger Christian before, uh, I mean, as you do so, as you, as you listen to their teachings. But you follow Jesus. Every one of those guys will let you down. And so will Sam, and so will Jerry. But we have to be willing to follow Jesus. Okay, in typical Redstone Elizabethan fashion, okay, what are you hearing? What are your takeaways? What are your pushback or even what questions that you have at this point? Anyone? Michelle? Okay, so this is good. And so what Michelle's saying is that, you know, she's actually adding to my sermon here, which is great. So she's saying um, truth number five would be that it is totally worth it, okay? And um, that is true. That is 100% true. Remember when we talked a couple weeks ago about um, the, the story of the magician um, 
Penn and Teller, I think it was the one, you know, Penn, Gillette, you know, Penn, and he was saying, yeah, but if it really is true, if it really were true, there would be more people knocking on my door and they would be sharing this truth with me with great conviction. If it's really true and what you're saying is true, it has to change the way we live our lives. We can't say that to one another on a Sunday morning and then be afraid to talk to our neighbors tomorrow. Just saying, I get it. And you're right, it is totally worth it. He says, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. And we either believe that or we don't. And what we're saying is if we are truly going to be Jesus followers, it will change the way we live our lives. We will become uncomfortable. We will be comfortable in uncomfortable situations, rubbing shoulders with people that are not like us. And we will learn to open our mouths in some way, short, shape, form, or fashion because they need to know this truth. Because it is worth it. Other thoughts or takeaways? Yes. Okay, we got one back in the back. Frankie? Yep. All right. Yeah, that's great. So remember, today is an introduction. Okay, so today's like, hey, here we go. So hit the next slide, if you will. But this is the understanding that belief in the gospel will produce Jesus' fellowship, and Jesus' fellowship will show that the gospel has truly been believed. Do you see that? This is the conclusion to the matter. This is why James writes and says, okay, well, you're saved through faith. I get that. But my works show you that my faith is real. And if you don't have any works, I don't know that your faith was real to begin with. That sounds like this bold declaration that James is making, but he's right. Because when we believe the gospel, we repent and it changes the decisions that we make. It won't happen instantaneous. But if Jesus is within you, I'm telling you, he'll just change your life and he will teach you Titus says it this way, the salvation, you know, um, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men and it teaches us or it trains us to say no to ungodliness. There's a teaching and there's a training that takes place. This is an intro. This is going to be a long series, you know, maybe like eight to ten weeks. Um, and some of these things that we're going to wrestle with, they're going to be tough. So let's be prayerful. Um, let's think about the gospel um, and then let's, um, let, let's check our own hearts to see where are we and are we not truly willing to give up and, as Jesus followers. Okay, we're not going to do communion, so I encourage you when you go home sometime tonight or this weekend, do communion with your families. Uh, that was one of the suggestions is that we not do communion and we suspend it at this time. Uh, I do want to pray uh, for a moment that the Lord would give us just clarity. So let's just be still before him. Um, let's... Let's ask him to speak to our own hearts as we close in prayer. And then we're going to sing uh, one song and close with the doxology. And then we're going to go home. Let's pray. Father, speak to us as only you can. Change us, challenge us to be true gospel believers slash Jesus followers.